Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks, we uh, look back at what went wrong against the Indiana Pacers just a couple of days ago and what needs to change against that same Indiana Pacers team this evening. Also, a deeper look at the defense in one area specifically that has uh, become very problematic for the Bucks this season, but especially over the course of the last week. We'll dig into that and uh, give you everything you need to know in advance of tonight's game with the Indiana Pacers on Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. I thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, viewable on YouTube as well, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Lockdown Bucks brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. So we're just a couple of days removed from another disappointing loss to the Indiana Pacers. It's a Pacers team that at this point, I think it's fair to say, creates a very bad matchup for the Bucks uh, this season. But in that game, a number of things that we've really dissected the last uh, few games, especially on the post games and talked about it somewhat on the off days as well. A number of those things continue to pop up and to rear their ugly head. The biggest ones have to do with transition and rebounding. And I think the number one thing we're going to get to throughout the course of this show, when we look at where these uh, issues are coming from defensively, all of these minor things that we're about to address that we're talking about, they add up to this overall issue that the Bucks have seen, especially for the last three games now, but it's been a season-long uh, issue for this team. So we'll start with what the Pacers did to the Bucks on the offensive glass. It's, a, it's another game where the opponent comes in and is very, very successful on the offensive glass against the Bucks. You think back to when this team really was shaped into the group that they are now. When Mike Budenholzer arrived uh, five seasons ago and we saw the Bucks all of a sudden reach that level of elite teams, rebounding was a very, very big reason for their success. And, and I know a, a lot of people have used this phrase when describing the previous uh, regime of the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer and his staff, but it's it's really true. They grabbed a lot of the low-hanging fruit. And it's not to say that that they just won on the margins in the easier areas. There was a lot more to it than that. But all the low-hanging fruit that was out there, Bud and his staff recognized, let's get this. That'll make us immediately better, and we can continue to get better at the other things. One of those big things that I mentioned is rebounding. You think about the way the defense transformed as well. Those first few seasons, sure, we were talking about the three-pointers that the Bucks were taking, but even more so we were talking about well, the opponents are uh, all of a sudden taking a whole lot of three-pointers as well. That was kind of the trade-off, but part of the low-hanging fruit was we're going to do a good job on the glass. We're going to limit a lot of shots around the rim, and, and we feel like if we take that out of the equation, the easier shots to hit, our defense in turn is going to be better. If we do a good job on the glass, we're going to limit the amount of second-chance points that you get, and those are typically shots that are going to be around the basket as well. So those were two big aspects of the way that this team was shaped 
five years ago, and it led to some immediate success. The Bucs were routinely, if not the best, defensive rebounding team and overall rebounding team. They were in the top five, year in, year out under Mike Budenholzer. Offensive rebounding, a little bit different. Early on in his tenure, the emphasis was let's get back in transition. We're not going to crash the offensive glass. We're going to put more emphasis on uh, getting back into our defensive sets here and limiting our opponent's transition points, which again brings us back to another issue we've seen with this Bucks team. But they did make that shift right around the time they won the championship to be more active on the offensive glass. This year, both areas, defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, to say it has been a work in progress is putting it very, very mildly. As I mentioned, the Bucks went from being one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the league. The first year under Mike Budenholzer, the 2018-19 season, they had a defensive rebounding rate just under 76%. That was tops uh, in the NBA. The following year, just under 78%. Also, best in the NBA and by a significant margin. In uh, Bud's third year, the 2020-2021 uh, the season, where the Bucs won the title, right around their, uh, their previous two averages, 75.5% defensive rebounding rate, still in the top five as that checked in at uh, fourth. So you, you get the theme here, second best in the 2021-22 season, a half of a percentage or half of a percentage point, I should say, behind the Denver Nuggets. And uh, then last year as well, Bud's final year, second best, trailing the Boston Celtics very, very narrowly. They had a 74.5 defensive rebounding rate. The Celtics were 74.6. So they've been towards the top. This year, uh, that has taken a massive, massive step backward. And I think early in the season, when we were really trying to assess what's the issue here. And just to, to finish the point, we gave you all those numbers. It was around 75, 76 was their average in those five years under Bud. One year it was close to 78. This year through 33 games, more than a third of the way through the season, we're getting pretty close to halfway through the season. The Bucks have a defensive rebounding rate of 70.9. That is not good. It is 18th best in the league, and you're in the company of teams like the Memphis Grizzlies, who have dealt with a number of front court uh, injuries this season. The Chicago Bulls, who have struggled uh, with that, are not very far behind you. The Charlotte Hornets, the Phoenix Suns, who have gone ultra small. I know they added Yusuf Nurkic, but KD, for all intents and purposes, has played the five for them for large chunks this season. You're in the company of some bad to mediocre teams, is where the Bucks currently sit right now. And early in the season, we were trying to figure out, what is the issue here? on the defensive glass because this is largely the same personnel. And it's it's not as simple as you make the switch, bringing in Damian Lillard, exiting Drew Holiday. Well, that accounts for that, that massive five percentage or more point dip in our defensive rebounding rate. That's not it. Uh, and I see one comment already because Brooke Lopez never rebounds. That's not it either. Brooke Lopez does not rebound the basketball in previous years. That's not the way or what he's out there for. He's there to box out, and you see oftentimes Brooke will tap the ball to a guard to get the transition started and the Bucks moving down the floor. None of that has changed with Brooke Lopez, so that's not the issue either. Part of it is early in the season, the emphasis was we're going to pressure ball handlers. We want our bigs out there on the perimeter. Now, with Brooke, that lasted four games. But with everybody else, it's still there. Giannis is still playing on the perimeter quite a bit, and we've seen games 
where Giannis has to help out or take that challenge on a perimeter player. We see Bobby Portis, a blitz out there quite a bit as well. It's led to some steals. It's led to some breakdowns, and it's led to guys not being in the right spot. But ultimately, as I mentioned, this all kind of ties together to the larger picture of where these defensive issues start to pop up is their perimeter defense and the blow buys because Brooke Lopez has been under attack for especially the last four or five games. He's still leading the league in shots contested per game. He was right up there a season ago as well. And his contests per game, though anybody uh, in the NBA advanced stats world will tell you defensive uh, individual player analytics should not be viewed as the Bible, but Brooks contests per game have dropped a little bit this year. The thing is, you don't want Brooke Lopez to be contesting as many shots as he has been. He is a very good rim protector and obviously a very, very good uh, shot blocker. But when you have your big man contesting that volume of shots, it means one thing, and that usually means there have been breakdowns on the perimeter that players are getting to the rim and challenging your shot blocker. And I think that is what ties together this overall picture for the Bucs. They have not been rebounding the basketball well on either end of the floor. And defensively, to me, a lot of that starts with the perimeter breakdowns. Brooke Lopez is contesting shots. When that happens, he's pulled even farther away from the rim. And that's when it comes down to team rebounding. And we've heard Adrian Griffin preach this from day one with player injuries, anything. When anybody's out of the lineup, whenever he's asked a question, how do you contain this player? How do you slow down that player? What are you going to do in the absence of this player? Everything comes down to its five players. It's not just one guy that's going to step in and replace Chris Middleton or Giannis or Damian Lillard. We need all five guys that are on the floor and anybody that's on the bench. And the same is especially true for rebounding, and especially on the defensive glass, where you have one guy who will do his job, but if the other four are not there, it opens up the door for offensive rebounds, second chance points, and putbacks. And that has really victimized the Bucs so far this season. So it, it really comes down to just crashing, knowing your assignment. And as Adrian Griffin has told us the other thing, many, many times this season, I, Adrian Griffin, I was a guy that I did not get by on talent in the league. I got by on those small things, on intangibles, attention to detail, all of those things that coaches look for, I had to be technically sound. And that's what he's looking for from his team. And the fact that he's brought it up as many times as he has so much in recent games, I think tells you he has had that conversation quite a bit. It is not where it needs to be. And that's where a lot of these issues start. That it, you know we can point to the rebounding numbers for Brook Lopez. Again, those haven't changed year over year that he's been in Milwaukee. He's doing his job. I think you look at the rebounding numbers for Giannis being down. Everybody questioned that earlier in the season as well. He had that spike where they they popped up. But again, when Giannis is pulled away from the rim and hasn't been used quite as much in that help role because you don't have Drew Holiday on the perimeter, that not only limits Giannis's stocks, but it also takes away from Giannis's effectiveness on the defensive glass. So it's been a number of things but that number one thing that the Bucs certainly need to address and need to do it as soon as possible is how you start to clean up this perimeter defense. A lot of chatter in the comment section here about uh, personnel and uh, who should be playing more, uh, who should be starting for the Bucs, any moves that uh, they can make. We'll certainly get to that as we're getting closer and closer 
to uh, to trade season here for the Bucks. We already saw a relatively big move over the weekend. And uh, look, as, as we've mentioned, the Bucks know we're not where we need to be right now, especially on the defensive end. Offensively, you can still see game over game, they're getting better. Um, defensively, overall, if we start with that November 3rd date and uh, fast forward all the way to now, January 3rd, two months later, they have gotten better, but they need to continue taking those steps uh, forward. There's a couple of other areas that lead to all of this. Again, defensive rebounding is just a part of it. They all tie together. I do want to get into those other areas uh, coming up and address some more of the uh, comments that you guys have uh, flowing in here for what we've seen from uh, this Bucks team in recent games as, as we get set for a fifth and hopefully, hopefully final matchup with uh, the Indiana Pacers. We will uh, get to all of that and uh, your chatter after this. Time to talk to you about FanDuel because the regular season in the NFL is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. They're America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. You go to FanDuel, get the app. It is extremely easy to use. You have a number of different options as well. Live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay. Uh, in the Parlay Hub, it's the best way to find popular parlays, all of that and more, everything else that FanDuel already offers. It's very easy to get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So the other thing that I, I do want to talk about with these uh, issues we've seen defensively for the Bucks, and it ties to those rebounding uh, issues that we just ran through here, is opponent points in the paint. Um, that is the other thing that has just been glaring in the last number of games, but it's been a season-long issue for the Bucks as well. In these last three games, the Bucks have given up 66 points in the paint and, and the numbers are even uglier. If we look at basically the duration of the road trip, it started in New York where you won that first game on Saturday, but you examine those numbers. And, and you also said, man, here were some of the areas where the New York Knicks were able to minimize some of the damage and uh, basically remain in this game is, is the Knicks still put up 48 points in the paint. Not a lot compared to what we've seen from the Bucs, but 11 offensive rebounds. They did this once again without Mitchell Robinson, and it was Isaiah Hartenstein, or Hartenstein sorry, that was doing a lot of that. Um, they were getting to the offensive glass. They were still scoring in the paint. Paint points, too. You, you do have to factor in some of those mid-rangers or, or, or close to the basket. It's not just rim shots, so keep that in mind. Jalen Brunson is a big part of that. But it was another game where the opponent outscored you in the paint. And that's been a huge, huge problem for the Bucks. As I mentioned before, I think it's tied to the two things we just addressed perimeter defense, getting into that area with relative ease, and then getting to the offensive glass for the opponents, getting those second chance points and putbacks 
at the rim. Those have been major issues for the Bucs this season. I mentioned 66 points per game in the paint that the Bucs have given up in the last three games. Just like rebounding, opponent points in the paint are one of those areas, the low-hanging fruit we talked about, uh, when this team started to come to the level they're at now that was immediately addressed and said, here's an area where we can find instant success. We challenge shots at the rim. We take away those easier shots. We allow our opponents to take long twos. We know we're going to give up some threes, but we're not giving up shots where you're going to be shooting 60, 70 or more percent in that area. And year by year, the first year Mike Budenholzer arrived in 2018-19, and I should preface by this as well. I'm throwing out all these numbers, and I'm mentioning this is under Mike Budenholzer. Here's where it's at under Adrian Griffin. This is not to compare the two coaches or to say one coach is better, the other coach is not good. That's not what the intention of this is. The intention is to point out, look, here's where this team was, and they've gone through change. They're running a different system. There is some different personnel, but here's where this team was. This is what they need to get back to because right now, it's not cutting it. So similar to those defensive rebounding numbers, the first year in 2018-19, they allowed just over 41 points per game in the paint. That was tops in the NBA. Year number two, when the Bucs at one point were on pace for 70-plus wins, they allowed 37.8 points in the paint per game. And you can say, well, three-point shooting has gone up, so, so those numbers are going to continue to drop, which – points this to be an even uglier picture. Three-point shooting has kind of plateaued a little bit that I think we saw massive spikes year by year for the last decade. The last three or so years, it, it's really kind of plateaued and evened out. So that makes these numbers even more alarming. You are under 38 points per game in the paint that you allowed to the opponents in 2019-20. That was also tops in the NBA. The following year, they were second best at 42.3. That was the year they won the championship. The year afterwards, 42.3 once again. That was third best. And then last year, 49.4. That was a year where, again, the Bucs were contesting more on three. So you're bringing over a little bit more help. That opened up some more paint opportunities for the opponents. But still, 12 best, less than 50 points per game that you were giving up there. You have to give up something to get something. And for the Bucs, that was giving up a little bit of those looks in the paint not at the rim, as those numbers remain consistent, but they were giving up some of those looks in the paint and points in the paint um, in order to contest on the perimeter a little bit more. I point all that out to say first, first, second, third, 12th. That's where the Bucks were in those five years. So far this year, and again, we're approaching halfway through the season, 25th in the NBA at 54.1 opponent points per paint, points per game scored in the paint 54 plus that they're allowing uh, to the opposition. When you look at the teams that that puts you in the neighborhood of, again, it, it goes back to those rebounding numbers that we pointed out and defensively as well. These are not the company. This is not the company that you want to be keeping the bucks sit at 25th. The Pistons are 26th right now. The Atlanta Hawks are 27. The Blazers, the Wizards, the Indiana Pacers are giving up more than 60 points uh, in the paint. So this is not the group that you want to be in if you're the Bucs. And that's the other thing. The Pacers are giving up 60 points in the paint. They gave up 50 to the Bucs, 62 to be exact. They gave up 50 in the last game, which 50 ordinarily is a relatively high number 
to be scoring in the paint, you expect more against that team. And it also does not help when you yourself give up 64. So that's the other huge area that the Bucs have to limit. And it comes back to the rebounding. When you're giving up offensive rebounds at the rate that the Bucs have, as you examine some of the numbers league-wide, the four factors numbers that you'll hear uh, any analytics nerd point out here, those are the areas that you want to be towards the top in. If you're doing well in effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebounds, and free throw rate, if you're doing good in those, you're going to be a good team. And for the Bucs, they've basically done good in most of those um, on the offensive side. They are second best in effective field goal percentage. As much as uh, we can harp on individual players for turnovers, and we've certainly seen some high turnover games for the Bucs, that is an area that has gotten much, much better as the season has gone on. Just 13% of their possessions have resulted in a turnover. That is seventh best in the NBA. Free throw rate. They're getting to the line at the fifth highest rate in the NBA. Also not surprising when you have Damian Lillard and uh, Giannis on your team. But offensive rebounding rate, 26th in the league, 24th in the league, a 26% offensive rebounding rate. They're good everywhere but on the glass offensively and defensively very very similar that you're allowing nearly 28 percent offensive rebounding rate to your opponents that's in the top third of the nba and turnover rates you know this was the area that we figured the defense would look most significantly different adrian griffin said i want to pressure the ball we're going to create turnovers we're going to get in transition and score off of those and it hasn't happened so far and look as we've pointed out, you may not have the personnel for it. This is probably going to be a multiple-year journey to get there. But right now, the Bucs are giving up too much on the offensive glass uh, to their opponents. They are not getting to the offensive glass as much as they should be. And while they're protecting the ball, they're not causing those turnovers that this defense was predicated on getting. So when you add that up, if you're not getting those turnovers – and you're not containing at the point of attack, and your defense is constantly under attack with those challenges in the paint and at the rim, it is going to lead to very, very high-scoring games and efficient games for your opponent, and that's what we've seen overall from this team. It's been two steps forward. I'm not going to say one step forward and one step back because overall there has been growth. It's been two steps forward and one step back, and now it's just a matter of finding that consistency in the case of the Bucks. So it has to start. The number one thing that you can correct the most, as we've heard time and time again from Adrian Griffin, is on the defensive glass. Is that going to fix everything? No. It's a multi-layered approach that the Bucs are going to have to take to get this defense turned around. But to me, the easiest, and to go back to that term, that phrase of low-hanging fruit, it starts with defensive rebounding. If you can improve that, in turn, the points in the paint that you allow, your defensive rating, all of that is going to start to come down if you're limiting second-chance opportunities to the opponent. And not only that, but opportunities that are as close to the basket as those seem to be when uh, it's it's the offensive rebounding numbers that we're seeing that has been the biggest issue for the Bucks. A lot of comments and a lot of thoughts on this defense. Personnel adjustments, we'll get to that. We'll also take a look at, um, as of right now, the injury report for the game tonight against the Indiana Pacers coming up after the break.
Well, game time. I've talked to you about my frustration I had previously with buying tickets when I did not use game time. And game time is here to solve all of those issues for you. We've all had these experiences as you wander and try to navigate the secondary ticket market. And game time is really here to make things easy for you because you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase because you can see your view from your seat before you buy that ticket. That way you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You also can see the all-in prices. So you know upfront what the total is you're going to be paying. You know you're getting a great deal before you check out and you can buy the tickets in seconds with just two taps on GameTime's app. GameTime is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, more. You name it, you can get your tickets on GameTime and again, avoid the frustration with all of the features that GameTime has to offer. And the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, the fifth and, uh, as I mentioned, hopefully final game between the Indiana Pacers this season. Look, if you do face the Pacers in the playoffs, the Bucks would be the favorites, barring anything unforeseen from here to the end of the regular season. The Bucs would be the favorites, but this is a team that has created difficult matchups for the Bucs with the way and style that they play at. And the other thing is this, Adrian Griffin is a first-year head coach. He is a very, very experienced assistant coach. It's the first year holding the whistle for Adrian Griffin. Not the case for Rick Carlisle, and that's what the playoffs are all about, is making adjustments game to game. We've heard Adrian Griffin say, Look, I like these series that we've had. They just came off of one with the Knicks. They're just going through one with the Indiana Pacers. They have one coming up with the Detroit Pistons where both of those games are on the road. That's in two weeks. They have another one in January with the Cleveland Cavaliers where both of those games are at home. And as Adrian Griffin said, I like these because in some ways it mimics the playoffs where you have to make those adjustments game to game and uh, see what the other coach is going to do and uh, and what your counter is for uh, for that. But as for tonight, we know there will be no Jay Crowder. Uh, we asked recently on the uh, four-game road trip about the timeline for Jay Crowder. Is now that we're into January, we're getting close. It's still, I believe, about two to three weeks away. Adrian Griffin did tell us at the last update he's progressing well, but still no timeline. So you're still a couple of weeks away from Jay Crowder returning to the floor for the Bucks. Everything that we mentioned, and I see quite a few comments on this, I agree. Everything that we mentioned about the rebounding uh, points in the paints, the way the Bucks defend the perimeter, not so much Jay Crowder defending the rim, but how all of that can, can lead to points in the paint. Jay Crowder is going to help you there. 
Jay Crowder is not going to be the answer, though. You're going to need more than just the return of Jay Crowder to get better in those spots. So I do think we should be a little cautious when we point out, well, Jay Crowder is not playing. You're going to be better when Jay Crowder is out there, but that's not the fix. You need more to it than just the return of Jay Crowder. He is out. Chris Middleton is questionable with that uh, knee management and also a left wrist sprain that's been noted on the injury report. Uh, we have not seen Chris play in both games of a back-to-back thus far this season. You still have some more in this month of January. Tomorrow is a national game as well. Um, so the chances are that Chris is going to sit this game against the Indiana Pacers. Pat Connaughton also questionable with a non-COVID illness, which once again has become popular for the Bucks and a number of teams with illnesses on that injury report. And A.J. Green out with a nasal fracture. For the Pacers, the big ones, uh, or big one, I should say, is really just Bruce Brown. We did not see him in the last game with a bone bruise in his right knee. He is questionable. That was his initial status on uh, Monday's injury report as well. And Andrew Nemhard, who left that game on Monday, he is also uh, listed as questionable with a back sprain. That was the issue that uh, pulled him from that game. So the Bucks and Pacers um, tonight, and look, all those things that we spent 25-plus minutes talking about that this team needs to address moving forward, it has to start tonight. A couple of comments I do want to get to is, is you guys have loaded the comment section here on uh, the show today, but um, this is what we're going to get into as, as weeks start to pass here and we get closer and closer to the actual trade deadline. The uh, Brooklyn Nets are a team that has a lot of assets. You would look at and say, well, this is the type of player we're looking for if we're the Bucks. Lockdown Nets talking about them blowing it up and uh, doing a fire sale. Royce O'Neal would be a significant upgrade for our uh, perimeter point of attack defense. Royce O'Neal is, um, it's a good point by Josh. Royce O'Neal is, is not the player that he was with the Utah Jazz. But again, when you, you look at the roster for the Bucs, where is the help coming from, right? Like we've talked about it, Andre Jackson Jr. and Marjan Bochamp. I think both of those guys have, have I, would, I don't know if I'd say hit a wall, but they've taken a bit of a step backward. Uh, in the case of Andre Jackson in recent games for Marjan Bochamp, we saw it earlier in the season, you know, in December when you really start to see a little bit of regression, which is not to be unexpected for young players. But the overall point is as much hope and promise that we see in these two players, it is still their first crack at the postseason. And that is just not something you typically see from players taken in their spot to jump up and make an immediate impact their first time experiencing the uh, the postseason. I know it's technically not the first time for Marjan, but what you would be asking of him, it definitely is. Um, Gerardo says it it starts with the backcourt with Dame and Malik Beasley, and that's it's it's chatter that's not going to go away when we've addressed or tried to assess what's the starting lineup that makes the most sense. We talked about this the other day that you know by the numbers, the Bucks starting five has been one of the best five-man lineups in the league this season. Obviously, that has to do quite a bit with your offense and what you're doing there, but I think the numbers indicate the defense is held up a little bit better than you would assume. But still, those two are not known for their defense, right? You're bringing them in there for their scoring and their, and their ability to really, really fill it up. It's going to lead to some blow-bys and, um, and, and, and put Brooke Lopez under attack as much as as he really has been 
throughout the course of the season. This is a, another good point to bring up. And again, it, it kind of goes back to what we had mentioned a couple of times about the way this defense is and some of the things that we heard from Adrian Griffin and why I think you saw the agreement to, to really shift the defense after four games of, okay, this isn't going to work. We heard about point of attack. We want to pressure the ball handlers. We want to create turnovers. We want to be an aggressive style defense. And it makes sense with the right personnel. Drew Holiday fits that personnel. So all of these things that we heard, it made sense when your backcourt was Malik Beasley and Drew Holiday alongside him, that you could do some of those things. Um, but for Adrian Griffin, a week before the season starts, to all of a sudden know, well, that's out the window. That changed things massively for this defense and how they want to play. So I think in the case of uh, Griff and the players, it's been a learning on the fly process. Um for this team to figure out, okay, what can we take from how we wanted to play and um, and what can we actually do with the personnel groups that, um, that we have? Uh, a couple of points here about guards not looking to rebound. And I think Pat Connaughton has shown the ability to be a very good rebounding guard. He has done that a couple of times already this season, but that's the other thing when you look at how this team was constructed and where their successes lied on the defensive glass and offensive for that matter that you know Pat Dante DiVincenzo Drew Holiday you had guys that were very good rebounders for their size on either side of the glass Pat's still here but all those other names that we mentioned are gone now so that's another part of it that um that is really added to what we've seen defensively so long story short it is not and here's the point that we made before jay crowder's not the savior he's going to help you but it's not as simple as okay once jay crowder comes back this defense is going to jump into the top five that's not going to be the case but it's just a number of things that we mentioned for this bucks team a lot of comments coming in for uh, royce o'neill so certainly we heard the pj tucker discussion uh, a week or so ago and now it seems to be royce o'neill he is good He's not the guy that he was in Utah. Everybody slows down. That is fair to point out. Um, but the Bucs do need some help on the defensive perimeter to do some of those things, to stay in front of guys, to pressure the ball. And more importantly, you need some more switchability on the perimeter because that's also the dance the Bucs have been in where they're kind of halfway here, halfway there in terms of who can switch and who can't. And we've seen that in uh, in some of the lineups and rotations that uh, Griff has gone with throughout the course of this season. A lot of good, good chatter and uh, comments. And um, the P.J. Tucker discussion has certainly quieted down a bit. But uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, another name that continues to pop up, um, not just the Bucks, a number of teams would certainly be looking into the services of uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. So now that we're in January, we've reached the point where you do have to kind of take a look at the standings and see, okay, which of these teams are going to start to become ready to wave the white flag? Who do they have that would make sense? And um, how can the Bucks acquire said player? Um, we did get some clarity on that whole apron talk, the second apron. The Bucks very much are in the second apron. It does not start until the day after the regular or the, the league season ends, which I believe is usually June 30th. Is uh, So July 1st is when the league season would begin. That's when those restrictions would kick in for um, buyout players and who was on a mid-level or higher. You can't add those. You can't aggregate contracts. 
the amount that you can bring back in a trade is limited as well. So all of that would go into place starting in July for the Bucks, meaning this trade deadline realistically is going to be their last real crack at doing something from here and until close to the end of the decade when you look at the draft assets that the Bucks have, have shipped out. But again, we'll get into a lot, a lot more chatter of uh, all the comments that you guys have left about player personnel and any moves that the Bucks can make as we continue to move through January and get closer to that trade deadline in um, February. Post-game show tonight to recap the Bucks and uh, the Indiana Pacers one more time, fifth time already that the uh, Bucks will have played the Indiana Pacers this season. And as a reminder, um, if you're looking for the game broadcast, you can hear it locally here on WTMJ, but uh, you can also hear the Bucks play the Indiana Pacers at 6 o'clock Central Time tonight and uh, catch every play on the Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM and on the SiriusXM app, just search Bucks and you will find the feed for the Bucks and the Indiana Pacers to hear the call from Dave Kane to hear the pregame and postgame and halftime with me as well. So you can find that on uh, SiriusXM. And as you're um, you're finishing up this Locked on Bucks and looking for some more content, I do want to remind you as well that Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today, it's here for you 24-7 as they cover the top stories of the day all the local experts you can expect from Locked On, as well as national shows that cover every league. You can find it on Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Bucks and Pacers tonight. We will have the post game after uh, this matchup. And then tomorrow night, I believe we're going to get our first look at, at Victor Wembenyama post game from that one as well. And one more reminder as well as we went live today, uh, Camille and I will be live again this weekend. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Every Sunday, we'll do the live show for you and uh, get your guys' reaction to everything we saw over the weekend and uh, and Friday night and any news that is broken as well. So be sure to uh, tune back for that. Bucks and the Pacers tonight and see if this Bucks team can avoid going one and four against that pesky Pacers team. Talk to you later on tonight with the postgame show on Locked on Bucks.